Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. If you see a guy on the street with a deck of cards, you might just be lucky enough to be in the presence of a professional magician named James David. In an interesting twist on the norm, James uses magic as a way to connect his message of simple acts of kindness to complete strangers. James David, I have gotten to see you work your magic several times, and it is always breathtaking and amazing. But I became especially interested in your work when you started a video project called Simple Acts of Magic. Will you just start by explaining that project and how it all came about? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, first, it's it's great to hear from you. I always enjoy talking to you, and I know we always kind of collaborate on some ideas. And one of the ideas that I had, um, especially after talking to Saul, was that you were into kindness. And what what I had this idea was that um, you know people sometimes are embarrassed to do acts of kindness for people. You know, sometimes they want to do it, they don't have quite the guts to go do it, or they don't want to get the attention. And I had this idea about, um, since I'm a magician, about doing magic for people. And one of the ideas I had was I thought, if you've ever wanted to do a random act of kindness for someone, instead of you doing the money giveaway, I said, why don't you send me your money? And what I'll do is I'll take your money and then I'll give it away using magic in a completely unique way. And then what I'll do is I'll film that whole experience And then I'll send you the video so you'll get to see exactly what your money did and went to and how we did it. And, you know, some people used it for a a Christmas present and other people use it. It's just kind of a feel-good story for them to see what their money did and and, uh, it went pretty well. I thought it went really well. And I was surprised that that people, because when you first say, hey, send me your money and I'll do something good with it, like... (laughs) <laughs> I yeah, don't know, right? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not going to people are aren't normally going to give up their money like that, but uh you were you were um, you know, instrumental in in helping that out cuz I think you reached out to some of the people who follow your uh your blog that you had written and uh knew you, so there's a little trust factor going in there, you know, and you trusted me enough to do it and you know, luckily we had I think we had seven people give a hundred dollars mm-hmm. um, to that, and um, and then we gave it away, and it, it went really well. Talk about how you gave it away. Can you talk through some of those scenarios? Sure. Well, what we did is is I didn't want to be the focal point of giving it away to draw attention to myself because that wasn't the point. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to find random people on the street walking around and say, hey we're doing a magic documentary and uh, we'd like to just do some magic tricks for you and then get your opinion about it in there. So it kind of set them up where they thought they're just getting filmed for it. And then what I did was in a couple of them, um, I said, Hey, you know what, can you draw like a hundred dollar bill on a piece of paper, you know, kind of draw it how you, you know, how you, the best you can. And I cut it out and I said, um, you know, Hey, imagine if this hundred dollar bill was real you know, what would you do with it right now to make someone's day better? And they were like, I don't know, I'd go to a grocery store and just, you know, give it out to random people. And I took the $100 bill and I put it into an empty box and I showed him it. And then I just shook it and I said, hey, you know what? I thought that that is such a good idea. Why don't we go do it? Look inside the box. And when they took it out, it turned from a fake $100 bill that they just drew into a real $100 bill. And then we just uh, went to a grocery store and I, and I said, you know, you can give this away all in a lump sum. 
You can break it up if you want. It's yours to give away because what I wanted people to do was feel what it was like to give unconditionally. They had no attachment to that money because it wasn't theirs. Mm -hmm. And so they got to really just feel good without any reservation to give someone money and to give it away in a in a way that they thought that was best and to feel that feeling of, hey, I did something good for someone today. And so one of the things that people did was they did go to a grocery store and, and give right. money away there. What are some of the other ways that people chose to give away that money? Um, one of them, we were in a coffee shop um, mm. and uh, we were in there. And then what she did was she gave it to, I think she broke it up into 10 uh to 10 ten dollar bills i believe it was and then she just gave ten dollars to people who came in and um saw it there so they bought their coffee for people and then there was actually one lady who um instead of buying something for herself she donated it to the tip jar for the baristas that were there because she just loved going in there so much she's like you know what i just love these people so much i'm just going to give them the ten dollars and um i i believe uh, even one lady was uh going through a divorce and she was there with her best fr- with her two best friends and they just kind of got this really puzzled look like what 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 is this and actually it's really funny because you would be surprised at how hard it is to actually give away money. Mm-hmm. I, I think the one in the grocery store that we did, it took her like four different people to try to give it away where they wouldn't accept it because they thought there was some attachment to mm-hmm. it. And I thought, what a weird experience that, that sometimes people's first inkling is that, wait, what do you want? Right. This can't be, you can't be just doing something nice just to do it. You have to be, there's some, some, something hidden behind it. And I'm like, you know what? It, it's sad that people go to that default, but eventually she did. And, um, and then I think the last one that we did was, um, uh, what was that third one? Oh yeah. We were down in Madison and I found a lady, um, who was there and she just walked around giving it to people in downtown Madison, buying lunch for people. And, um, there's a couple of homeless people that she talked to that were, um, outside and she gave it to them and, um, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, the last one was for you, if you remember. I where, was gonna bring that yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. yeah Explain yeah. that, that I was so touched, so touched by that. Well, you know, obviously with your diagnosis coming in the middle of while we we're filming there, you know. I had breast um, cancer for anybody who doesn't know. In 2015, I had breast cancer. So Right, okay. right. And, and you know, and I was just like, you know, that's such a hard thing. And, you know, I'm friends with your husband. I'm friends with you and your family, you know. And I was just like, you know, she's going to need you know, there's gonna be times where it's tough. Like I've, I've known people that have gone through cancer. I know, you know, without personally knowing, I I've seen, you know, through secondhand reports though, of how difficult it is and the effect it has. And I thought, you know, there's going to be a time where you're going to be feeling down, whether it's from the radiation or chemo or, um, you know, or just in your spirits. And I'm like, you know, let, let's do something for her. So what I did was I, um, got some college kids that I was doing a magic show at and they were just a, a really upbeat, you know, friendly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kids. And I said, Hey, I've got this friend who did this kindness thing with me. And I said, would you do me a favor and give it away in her name and show what you did with the money? So I think there was like $200 left over from the first, uh, three things that I did. And, uh, they gave it away in your name. And then I wrote some of your friends and they put a little message together for you and sent me videos of doing random acts of kindness for people. And, um, we all put it together and left you messages. And so whenever you're feeling down, you could go back and watch it and, and feel good, you know, that people cared and understood what you're going through. It was absolutely ridiculous when I opened 
that video and I watched it. I mean, I don't think I've had an uglier cry in my whole <laughs> entire life. You, 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 you had, you definitely had some tears going down your face, but you know, I understood, you know, I know it was hard. In fact, uh, one of my friends, um, he's a, he's a really good friend of mine. He's a speaker. His name is Matt and Matt and I were just talking about some videos and stuff. I was like, Hey, check out this video that you know i made and he goes you you made this and i was like yeah and he he just started bawling like yeah. he was just like like it made him cry you know from it and uh, i was like wow you know that's uh you know i i know that you know people are moved by emotion and stuff but that's what we are we're emotional beings and and uh you know that's how you show you care you get angry you understand you know how you, you we're just emotional people and mm-hmm. so it moves you so is there a place that people do you have these videos somewhere publicly where, where people can go and find them and see them? Yeah, yeah. Um, you can just type in uh, James David, um, simple acts of magic. And um, you can go on to YouTube. They're all posted on there right now. There's probably you probably find some other uh, videos for me on there for just if you type in James David magic, but the simple acts of magic videos are the ones that are on there right now. And um you know, there's some people following them, looking at them, and I use them in my shows right now when I do my kindness shows um, about charity and giving and stuff. And I use those as examples of kind of how little things that you do mean a lot. Cause, you know, we weren't giving away a lot of money. It's not about the money. It's about the actual act of giving. Mm-hmm. That's the kindness part. You know, it doesn't take a lot holding a door open for someone, you know, just saying hello. I mean, making eye contact with somebody can make, make a, mean a big deal to them in these days, you know. So, yep, um, yep they're there. So I had this big old ugly cry. There were some people who didn't want to accept the money. What other sorts of effects did this have on people uh, during the simple acts of magic filming? You know, I, I think I think the 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 most effects that it had on them was that they they got to feel the feeling of giving and that they were more likely to do something nice for someone else. Like a lot of the comments mm-hmm. that I got from people after we were done filming was, you know, that felt really good to do that. And, you know, I'm going to continue to do that. And in fact, it, it's really weird because um, I, I just watched this, uh, uh, I listened to a podcast um, the other day and I was listening to this guy talk and it was about um, actually about kindness and about uh, giving and stuff and how people react. And what it was they were doing is they were secretly filming cars pulling up to a crosswalk and then they would purposely have people start to walk across the crosswalk in front of them. And what they noticed was that people in more expensive cars wouldn't stop hmm. and they were less likely to stop. And so what you came to that conclusion was, was that people with more money were less kind. They were up there and, and, they, and I was hmm. like, wait a minute, let's, let's look at this like from another point of view. And so what they did was they stopped the people at the end of the road and said, hey, we were doing an experiment on there and, and so forth, and this is kind of what we did. And what they noticed was that the correlation was not in any way having to do with money. What it had to do with was the day that they were having at that particular moment. And so the people that they had randomly stopped had just had bad experiences that day and weren't thinking about other people. Mm -hmm. But when they were, when it was brought to their attention that they were rude or that they, you know, were in an experiment or that, um, you know, when they did something kind for that person that they were more likely to do kindness themselves. So Mm -hmm. 
it, it really, you know, we, we made judgments on, on the cars that they were driving versus their action, but really had nothing to do with that. It was, they were just having a bad day mm-hmm. and they were just going down the road and things, they, they just weren't thinking about other people. Well, and the tragedy behind that is that kindness is the best remedy for rerouting a bad day, right? I mean, totally, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I really believe that. I mean, it, it does. It, it changed. Like I always said, if you're having a bad day and you're really like down, I said, just go do a random act of kindness for someone mm-hmm. and watch how your day changes. It's yeah. amazing how it does that. You know, yeah. I, I practice it. I, I practice it all the time. And it's like I said, it's not necessarily about giving money. It's just, Hey, how are you doing today? You know, going to talk to people and, and, um, you know, paying attention and, and just, you know, being a little more outgoing. Right. Something to get your eyes off of yourself. You are the author of Emotional Intelligence for the Athlete and Coach, which is scheduled to come out soon. What's your theory on emotional intelligence? How does this all fit together? Well, here's what I did is, you know, I'm a sports guy, uh, obviously, and and my my favorite sport of all time is basketball. So I'm a basketball junkie. Um, I was lucky enough to have a a high school coach who was an assistant for Coach Wooden back in the day at UCLA. So I I feel like I've gotten, you know, some of the fundamentals of, of basketball and life through my high school coach. And one of the things that I noticed was that as I was learning about emotional intelligence was that the characteristics of emotional intelligence and how it applies to business is all about team chemistry. It's about getting people with different personalities, how to get along. And one of the things that I started to correlate was that teams that have higher emotional intelligent players, they're the type of players that are self-aware. They understand their personality, but more importantly, they understand other players' personalities. They understand mm-hmm. that they come from different walks of life, different backgrounds. And, you know, a lot of our, um, when we're growing up, you know, the experiences that we have have shaped our personalities. Mm-hmm. And since one player might come from a different, you know, uh, socioeconomic area or another player might have, you know, been abused or something, it shapes our personality. So when you're aware of, of, of self-awareness, you understand your personality and other people's personalities and you learn to have empathy for people. You can manage your emotions. So you have, um, you know, social awareness where you really generally like try to care about the other person. And then you have relationship management skills. I understand my personality, but now more importantly, I really understand you as a person. I know how you want to be treated. So I'm going to treat you like that. And so when you have players like that, that just get it, they're, they're much better leaders. They're much better teammates. And so when you have players like that, they're more likable and they can build trust with each other. When you build trust, you build chemistry. And so emotional intelligence is actually what I consider the secret to building team chemistry. So emotionally, emotional intelligence leads to empathy, which leads to kindness. So that would exactly. make sense to me that everyone right. in the world would want a higher emotional intelligence you level. Are, you're exactly right. Because if you aren't self-aware, if you're not aware of yourself and you're not aware of how your actions are, it's much harder to be kind to people because you don't understand how you come off as people. You don't right. understand yourself. You don't understand, you know, especially w- with emotions. Like I said, emotions rule people, you know, if it, it, it's hard, it, uh, well, you know, it's hard to be kind when you're angry. And if you can't control your emotions all the time, you probably are less likely to be kind because you're upset. You let things throw you off your game, you know? So, so kindness and emotional intelligence definitely go hand in hand. 
Is there a way, though, to teach emotional intelligence or are you just kind of lucky if you got it and kind of not if you don't? Both, luckily both. And and one of the things that, you know, uh, Daniel Goleman, so if you, if anyone out there is listening right now and you're like, emotional intelligence, never heard about that. The best introduction is a book by Daniel Goleman. And, um, and basically what it says is that your IQ, you know, you are kind of capped, you know, you can grow a little bit, they think, but I'm never going to be an Einstein, you know, it's just, I'm kind of where I'm at. Um, your technical skill, that's how good you are at your particular job. That's important, but you can kind of grow in your technical skill by how you learn, but your emotional intelligence, that has no limit because Mm. it's all about you. It's kind of the first time I've ever said it's okay to be selfish in a way because you really need to focus on you and understanding your personality and what the things are that make you tick. Cause a lot of people don't even know they'll go back in their head. It's, it's kind of a therapy in a way you go back and you think like, Hey, you know, my, maybe you had a stepfather who was not the best stepfather in the world. Like mine was, and he was always yelling and kind of verbally abusive. And, um, you know, I, I started to take on some of those characteristics when I was growing up, you know, like I just would yell at people and I, Mm. when things didn't go my way and I'm like, you know what, why do I yell so much? Like, why do I always get upset? And I thought back, like, this is how I was raised. You know, these are the things that influenced me. And so when you go back in inside, you know, you think about yourself and you're like, hey, you know, these are my faults. These are my flaws. I keep thinking of the strength finder test and, um, you know, a strength finder test. You take this, read the book, you take the online test or whatever, and then it comes and it shoots out. Here's what you are sort of thing. Sure. So one of my strengths that came out was that I'm an activator, apparently, which means that I jump into something and then worry later about how deep the pool was, how cold the pool was, whether or not I know how to swim. I just go for it. So that means I need to team up with people who are really good at thinking things through. So that was helpful for me. Is there an equivalent like that for emotional intelligence that we can team up with some sort of person? I think I think with emotional intelligence, um, I, I don't know necessarily like what what I was thinking of when you said that was um, the DISC model. There was a it's D I S C, and those were the four personalities that you would go, and they kind of talk about which ones work together. I think emotional intelligence is a little bit different in the in the way that once you recognize who those other personalities are, then you can adjust your personality to work with those people better. Okay. So, so meaning that like if you were, you said you jumped in the pool, right? Well, if you're going to work with someone who jumps in the pool because you don't have a choice and you know, that's your personality to do that, you might be aware enough now, like, Hey, this is how I am. This is how this person is. So now I need to change a little bit and go like, Hey, I can't just go jump in the pool with them because we're just going to drown together. Like I need to be (laughs) the one that's going to like, calm down and, and think of reason, you know, reason things out or, mm-hmm. or slow down a little bit because you, you understand that type of personality. You know that probably working with them isn't going to be the best. So you learn to, to control yourself from there. That's the emotional intelligence part of it. Okay, interesting. Do you have any like quick tip for people who are listening who say, I want to increase my emotional intelligence? Is there like one practical thing that we can work on um, today or this sure. week or this month? Yep. Totally, I have it. Um, I call it the what's up moment, okay? Um, Let's pretend that you're driving down the road, okay? And someone cuts you off. 
do you stop and think, hey, that person just cut me off. I'm going to get angry. Or do you just get angry? Hmm. What do you do? Me personally? Yeah. I create stories about them. I want to know. I, I, I create an imaginary story about what is happening in their life that would make them do that to me. For instance, a man cuts me off and I'll say to myself, oh, my goodness, I bet he's on his way to the hospital because he just found out his <laughs> wife's giving birth. Yay! Well, that is an extremely emotional, intelligent thing that you just did. But most people <laughs> don't do that. What they do is they get angry mm. and they go, how dare that jerk just cut me off? And they honk their horn, correct? Okay. Or yes. they or they do something else. They'll give them the finger or whatever. <laughs> and so we know that's not a normal response because it could startle them. They didn't actually hit you. So really, if they're going to be gone, why should I let you go? And so what I said is I call it the what's up moment. And as soon as you get upset, you need to before you have a reaction because we we feel before we think. As soon as I hit you, you need to stop, stop and say what's up. Why did I just get angry right now? Well, I got angry because someone cut me off. And now you have to stop and think just like you did, which is a, an absolute brilliant response because what you did was uh, what we call the 5%. Um, we make judgments on people with, le with less than 5% of the information available. Wow. And so what you did was you created a story because you know what? The truth is – we don't know why they cut you off. Mm -hmm. They could have been in an their, their their you know spouse could have been in an accident and they're going to the hospital to go and and see their person, not even thinking or or a baby or whatever scenarios are out there. True, they could have been just a terrible driver, but more likely something else is going on where they're just not thinking clearly and they're like, I need to get to a you know this place as fast as I can. Sorry, I cut you off, but I got to go. You know, mm -hmm. so we make judgments on people with that and creating a story is one way around that. It's a great technique. But the second thing is, is that once you have your what's up moment and you go, wait, why did I just get upset? Well, they cut me off. So then what are the responses that you can have to that? One was to make a story. Two is to think to yourself, is what that person did, did that action, is it going to affect me a year from now? Hmm. And when you stop and think about that, is that person cutting me off? Am I going to think about this a year from now? Is it going to bother me in any way, shape, or form? Probably not. Right. And if it does, well, then you probably got some other mental issues going on that need to be addressed <laughs> besides that. Because if it's bothering you that much, you know, there's something else going on. But a lot of the answers are that, no, it's probably not going to bother you. So is it worth worrying about? And when you stop and think what's up, you actually pause that part of your of your brain to go, rather than react, to just think for a second. It's kind of like... You know, I think in the Bugs Bunny um, uh, cartoons when I was a kid, um, I, I believe uh, Yosemite Sam, they would make him count to 10 when he got mad. And that's the same thing as counting count to 10. His face would turn from red back to white again. And I always think about that when I go. It's like you got to pause, let some time go, think about your, your actions and the response to them, and then you can think clearly. Great tip. Great tip. So you've worked with teams from UCLA, Michigan, University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Tulsa, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, Ohio Portland University, Trailblazers. University, yep. which is where my husband coaches basketball, um, yep. and, and many others. So how does doing magic end up connecting people with this sort of emotional intelligence? In how do you connect people with each other in that and not just sure. looking at you and being like, whoa, dude is so good at magic. 
Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, you know, here's what I noticed was that when I stopped coaching, my coaching brain never ends. It's just, it's a part of, of who I am. And magic was just another thing in my life that I picked up as a hobby late in life and I had to work really hard at it. And the one thing I noticed was that magic and sports and magic in life both have fundamentals. The way that I have to hold the cards the way that I have to manipulate the cards is a skill set. Mm -hmm. And the more you practice that skill set, it turns from just a trick into magic when I perfect it. It's like I, I used the example with, uh, with uh, Damian Lillard when I was talking to him uh, with the Portland Trailblazers. And I said, I want you to think about and tell me about the best person that you've ever known in the NBA that has a crossover. Give me a name. And Everyone that I ask that always says Allen Iverson um, or Tim Hardaway. Those are the two players that were known for a crossover. But I said, does every point guard in the NBA have a crossover? And they're like, yeah, of course, you have to have one. Well, then why are those two players the only names that people typically think of when it comes to about a crossover in the NBA? And they stopped and thought about it, and they were like, well, they were just, they, they just owned it. They were the best at it. And they believed that they were the best at it. Like they, they didn't even believe, they just knew. Mm -hmm. They were so good at it. And what I noticed was that the more you do a skill set, the more you practice it, the more confident you are. And when that confidence grows to where you've done it more than any person that you think in the world, you are going to be the best at it because you believe it, you've practiced it, you know it. And so that's what magic is. Magic is a skill set that I actually have to believe I'm doing magic in order to make it look so real that people are like, wow, that, that can't be just a card trick. That was magic. There's no way they can do it. And when it, how it applies to life is that when you do the skill set of emotional intelligence, because it's a skill set, you can learn it. You can be as, as big as you want at it. You, when you apply that and you actually practice it and you know, you know what? I'm not going to let little things bother me. I'm going to be more self-aware. I'm going to, to be able to manage my emotions. I'm going to be socially aware. I'm going to have empathy for people. I'm going to think about them and then I'm going to manage the relationships. And when you do that, you are going to become more emotionally intelligent. And the more emotional intelligent you are, there's a statistic on it. Um, when, when you're emotionally intelligent and you score high in that area, you are four times more successful in your career. You make more money. You get promoted faster. You have better relationships, better marriages, because you can control those four quadrants of emotional intelligence. You become a master at it. And people like you and they want to hang around you. You draw them in versus pushing them away. So magic is the same thing. It's a skill set. And the more you practice these skill sets, the more it's going to be magic. And when you have a high emotional intelligence, you're kind of magic. You kind of draw people in. They're like, what is it about this person I really like? Well, I just love them because they're so fun to be around. They're fun to be around because they're emotionally intelligent. I love that. You become magic because you become kind. James right. David, thank you so much for talking with me today. This has been awesome. You are welcome. I love talking at any time. You can connect with professional magician and team builder James David at jamesdavidmagic.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or NPR One. <laughs>